All right, just a quick heads up. This episode of the Stuck series is going to be a little different. First off, as in other episodes of this series, uh, there's a video that was shown during the presentation. If you'd like to be able to view that, just go to paulelmore.com and do a search under Stuck Podcast Week 5, and you should be able to view that video. Secondly, and more importantly, this presentation actually had several experiential events that we did together as a group. I'll try to give you a play-by-play and actually condense down some of those experiences uh, so that the podcast can kind of roll along and you'll be able to keep up. Thanks. Okay, got it. Ready? <clears throat> You're listening to Paul Elmore. Paul Elmore. <laughs> Shh. Do not get comfortable yet. For those who forgot or weren't here last week, tonight's going to be significantly different than any of the nights so far. This is going to be the fun night. Um, We're going to be moving a lot tonight. We're going to be up and about, um, and we're going to be, um, how do I want to put this kindly? Um, Do you remember that box I talked about the very first week where you stand in this box and there's this opportunity to take one step out of it and stay there for a while and it you hate it and you're going to throw up and there's that really uncomfortable part of that. I want you to find that line tonight and I want you to take that one step over it and keep breathing and not forget that you're going to be safe and everything's going to turn out okay and try not to throw up on the person next to you, okay? If we can do that, then it's going to be a good night. Um, Couple, couple things real important here, okay? Everything we do tonight, there is no expectation, okay? Everything is an invitation. Anything that we suggest, anything that we offer, anything that we talk about or do, if you don't want to do it, you do not have to do it, okay? No one's recording this. No one's um, taking notes. You're not going to... Oops. You're not going to miss out on your gold star at the end of the night, okay? You get to decide how much you want to participate. If if anything during the evening feels overwhelming, if anything feels too uncomfortable, um, I want you to be able to check in with yourself and go, you know what, I'm just going to sit this one out, I'm going to take a step back, I'm going to go to my happy place, whatever you need to do to kind of take care of yourself. Um, But there is no expectation. Does everyone agree to that? Okay. If you, ver- if you nod, that's a verbal agreement that is now legally binding. So we're going to make sure that everyone's signed their consent forms. Um, let's see, let's see, let's see. If, no matter what you do, whether you choose to participate, whether you choose to sit out, whether you choose to limit or adjust your participation in some way, the number one thing I want you to do the entire evening is I want you to be able to check in with yourself and say, why? Why do I need to be where I'm at right now? Why am I deciding to participate to whatever level I'm participating in? Um, Why am I going full bore into this? I want you to be able to evaluate your motivation and the reasoning and the thinking and the, the scripts that are going on inside your head. And then I want you to ask yourself the question, is the decision I'm making right now potentially one of the reasons why I'm actually feeling stuck in my life? Am I doing something right now that is that is 
preventing me from, from getting to a different place. No one's, again, I can't read your mind. No one else can read your brain in here. Thank God. Yeah, thank goodness, yeah. Um, and, and I want you to be able to, to, no matter what you do, there's always a lesson to be learned. Whether you just sit there and don't move a muscle, there's a reason why, and you can learn something about yourself. Again, the experiences themselves are only an invitation to try something, but you can grow no matter what you do. That's what makes this such a good night. It's going to make it so fun. It's going to make it really enjoyable. Um, what are we going to do tonight? I have, I have a very blatant goal. Um, my goal is I want to change your state. We're going to be talking about that word a lot. I want to put you into a different state of mind, and we're going to do that over and over it through a whole variety of ways. My goal is to not just access some sort of cognitive portion of your brain, logic, information, reasoning, lessons, note-taking. Okay, that's all good, but we're gonna take one step beyond that. Um, some of it's gonna be fun. Some of it's gonna be, I'll use the word intense. Um, some of it might be refreshing. I don't know. Again, any of these experiences, depending on your story, Two people could be watching the exact same thing or participating in the, in the same experience and walk away with two very different lessons, two very different experiences. Um, and lots of feedback tonight is gonna be encouraged. And if you can, remember that whole shouting thing so I can hear you, so other people can hear you. Um, I, wanna, I wanna know what's actually going on. I'm not the only teacher in the room tonight. We have a whole room of, of amazing instructors who can bring the, your story, your experience into this, and, and I actually hear it over and over and over again. Paul, you're, you know, we enjoy coming and hearing you speak, but it, but it was actually the other person who said something, and they asked that question, and they are asking the exact same question, or this person over here said something that I've really been thinking about. It's not me. It's what you guys do with each other, okay? That's, that's what is potentially going to be happening tonight. So, here's my question, and then we're going to jump in. Take a minute, close your eyes if you can. If you're walking, you might want to keep them open so you don't fall over. Um, and I want you to just evaluate what is your state of mind right now? Are you in an anxious state? Are you in a relaxed state? Are you in a funny state? Are you in an angry state? Are you in a tired state? What are you walking into the room with from your own story, from your own experience during the day. You don't need to say anything out loud, just check in with yourself. See if you can identify the emotions that you might be sitting in. Some of you might be excited. Some of you might be weighty with just the burdens that you're sitting in. Next, I'd like to see if you can identify your receptivity. How open are you to whatever's gonna happen tonight? Some of you, I've already talked with you, have informed me. I'm gonna take it very safe, be very careful. I'm just not in that place right now. That's just fine. Some of you are, I'm open to seeing whatever happens. Just where is your level of openness? Framed in the negative, what is your level of, of um, uh, resistance? Just see if you can identify that. And then lastly, see if you can identify your anxiety levels. 
I've told you that tonight's gonna be different. I told you that tonight's gonna be unique. Does that increase or decrease any of your anxiety? Just be aware of that within yourself. When you're ready, you can open your eyes. One of the things that, um, if you could see the view that I see um, from up here, this is week five, isn't it? I think it's week five. Five, not four, five. Um, and most of you actually sit within generally the same proximity, okay? Give or take a, a, a pew here or there, you know, one or two back, left or right. But typically, most of you tend to gravitate towards that same seat. So, let's change that right now, shall we? Here's what I'm going to ask you to do. Just like every other week, I'm going to ask you to stand up and I'm going to ask you to find the person that you have introduced yourself before. See if you can remember their names, okay? But when you go to sit down, you are not allowed to sit within seven pews or spaces of your original proximity. So if you guys, the back row folks, okay, this spot right here is all warmed up. It's fantastic, okay? And see if you can actually make a bigger change. So if you're used to that side, go to this side. If you're in the front, go to the back. But you're not allowed to sit in the same place. Say hello to each other on the way. Perfect. Remember each other's name. Try the, try the riskiest spot you can think of. If you tend to typically sit further from people, see if you can sit close to people. Say hello to each other on the way past. I'm going to have lots of people in the front row. This is going to be fantastic. It's going to be weird for me. If you typically sit far from someone, try to sit nearer to somebody. All right. This is weird for me too, by the way. I don't know where anybody is now. I just... I'm really thrown off. I didn't expect that, actually. This kind of might backfire on me. I should think these through next time. Anyone put words to what it feels like to sit in a different, different space, particularly anyone who might be noticing this is actually stirring up a little bit of that uncomfortable thing? Exposed, Exposed says the nice lady in the very front row with nothing to hide behind up front. Very good. It's going to be really weird when I start to talk like this, and this whole space bubble thing gets really... Actually, this is comforting. <laughs> okay. Anyone else? Just different space. Do you notice any different shift within you? Way in the back. Yes, you're going to have to really shout. I feel very unhappy back here. Wonderful. Wow. Very good answer. We could take all night and just ask a lot of questions about that decision right there. We're going to pass on that. Anyone else? New, what do you mean new perspective? Taking everything in a new way. Yep. New way. I used to work a job behind a counter, you know, back in my high school days, and you just get used to that perspective. You're looking at the store from, from that perspective. When you walk in as a, as a customer, it's like, Everything's backwards. It just doesn't make any sense. It really throws you off. Someone else, just, yep. Removed and disconnected. Removed and disconnected. Absolutely. 
which is incredibly ironic because there are some people, that spot right there that's already warmed up because someone else was sitting there, feels comforting and safe and lovely. See? Our own stories bring in, bring in the same experience and change it. Anyone else? Real fast. Old memories. Old memories. What do you mean? Oh. Really? Would you guys like a minute to be alone? We can all close our eyes. We can, you know. Wow. That's the good pew, apparently. Pay attention to that. I don't know how to say it in one word. Okay. But um, I feel awkward, I think, because if my beeper goes off, I'm going to have to walk by everybody. Yes, because practical things, getting up because of kids making noises or, or pagers going off or phones or things like that. Yeah, you, you try to stay as discreet as possible. Absolutely. All of this. All of this. Isn't it amazing how just moving a couple feet left or right, north or south, can change, can, can change your state and, and put you into a little bit different um, mindset? This is what we're going to be talking about all night because this one skill right here is probably the best skill that's available to you to help yourself get unstuck. We're gonna talk about that a little bit later, but actually changing perspective, doing something that is different than you have typically done is, is the best way to start that ball rolling and to get one step out of being stuck, okay? Um, I wanna show you what do I mean by state? And we're going to watch a quick video here. Um, character's name is Jerry, okay? I want you to watch the four states of mind Jerry goes through as, as we watch this clip and then see if you can capture as he progresses what are the four states of mind that he steps into. Let's see what happens here. So this is the world and there are almost six billion people on it. When I was a kid, there were three. It's hard to keep up. There, that's better. That's America. See, America still sets the tone for the world. In Indiana, Clark Hodd, 13, the best point guard in the country. Last week, he scored 100 points in a single game. Erica Sorge, you'll see her in the next Olympics. In Seattle, Dallas Malloy, 16. Her lawsuit helped pave the way for women boxers everywhere. She's picturing her ex-boyfriend right now. In Indio, California, Art Stallings. Check out what pure joy looks like. In Odessa, Texas, the great Frank Cushman. This April, 26 teams will be falling all over themselves to sign him in the next NFL draft. He's my client, my most important client. When are you gonna try? When are you gonna concentrate? You wanna be a champion? Believe me, there's genius everywhere, but until they turn pro, it's like popcorn in the pan. Some pop. Darn it, what the heck, coach? You don't know Dilly Squad if don't <gasps> Some don't. Now, I'm the guy you don't usually see. I'm the one behind the scenes. I'm the sports agent. Kane, I'm gonna hurt you this year. Hi, Jerry. How are you doing? Listen, doors always open. Come and get a real agent. Well, thanks. All right, you're welcome, Johnny. All right, right. I'm going to go to a meeting right now, and you know who I'm going to talk about? You. Because I kill for you. I'm an animal for you. We got to win Super Bowls. I hail you. Hey, Jerry, how you doing? All right, how much is this going to cost me? 
you and I both know there's a number you can afford. So I'm just going to write it down, and we can move forward from there. I can't afford that. No one said winning was cheap. You know those photos where the new player holds a team jersey and poses with the owner? That's me on the left. Inside that building, that's where I work. SMI, Sports Management International. 33 out-of-shape agents guiding the careers of 1,685 of the most finely-tuned athletes alive. I handle the lives and dreams of 72 clients and get an average of 264 phone calls a day. It's what I do. I will not rest until I have you holding a Coke, wearing your own shoe, playing a Sega game, featuring you while singing your own song in a new commercial starring you, broadcast during the Super Bowl in a game that you are winning. And I will not sleep until that happens. It's what I do best. Give you 15 minutes to call me back. Now, I'll be honest with you. I started noticing it a few years ago and didn't say a word. And the quest for the big dollars, a lot of the little things were going wrong. Listen, there's no proof of anything except this guy is a sensational athlete. Are you Kelvin Knack? Can you sign my card? You know, I'm sorry, little fella. I can't sign this particular brand of card. Only Pro Jam Blue Dot cards. Lately, it's gotten worse. Oh, he goes down! Hi, baby. You know your name? Oh. Uh, Steve Remo. Uh, Steve Remo. Wait, he's coming. Steve Remo. My name is Steve Remo? Yeah. I play for Chicago. Oh, this lady here is my wife. <laughs> Hi, baby. And this is my boy. And this is, uh... Uh... Wait. My agent, my agent. <laughs> oh, and I got to play this weekend, Doc. By playing 65% of my games, I get a bonus. I got to get the bonus. Okay, Jesse. You take care, little guy. Mr. McGuire. Yeah? This is his fourth concussion. Shouldn't somebody get him to stop? Hey, hey, hey. It would take a tank to stop your dad. It would take all five super trooper VR warriors to stop your dad. Right? Right? Fuck you. Who would I become? Just another shark in a suit? Skyrocketing salaries, and you are one of the guys responsible for this great salary. Two days later, at our corporate conference in Miami, a breakthrough. I already have 18 million on the table. Breakdown? Breakthrough. Fuck you. Do you know your name? I couldn't escape one simple thought. I hated myself. No, 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 here's what it was. I hated my place in the world. I had so much to say and no one to listen. And then it happened. 
It was the oddest, most unexpected thing. I began writing what they call a mission statement. Not a memo, a mission statement. You know, a suggestion for the future of our company. A night like this doesn't come along very often. I seized it. What started out as one page became 25. Suddenly, I was my father's son again. I was remembering the simple pleasures of this job, how I ended up here out of law school, the way a stadium sounds when one of my players performs well on the field, the way we are meant to protect them in health and in injury. With so many clients, we had forgotten what was important. I wrote and wrote and wrote and wrote, and I'm not even a writer. I was remembering even the words of the original sports agent, my mentor, the late, great Dickie Fox, who said, The key to this business is personal relationships. Suddenly, it was all pretty clear. The answer was fewer clients, less money, more attention, caring for them, caring for ourselves and the games, too, just starting our lives, really. Hey, I'll be first to admit it. What I was writing was somewhat touchy-feely. I didn't care. I had lost the ability to bullshit. It was the me I'd always wanted to be. I took it in a bag to a copy mat in the middle of the night and printed up 110 copies. Even the cover looked like the catcher in the rye. I entitled it, The Things We Think and Do Not Say. The future of our business. That's how you become great, man. Hang your balls out there. Everybody got a copy. There are dangerous animals in the world, and some of them walk on two feet. They don't want peace, and they're not capable of love. Society, and that means you and you and you, need protection from these warp minds. Hi, this is Jerry McGuire. Listen, did those manuscripts get... Oh, they did. Oh, no, no, no. That's fine. Thank you. I was 35. I'd started my life. How long did you give him? About a week. <laughs> what states did you see him move through? What was the first state at the beginning of the confident? 
arrogant, I heard prideful, aggressive, aggressive. narrow-minded, narrow yep. And then he went to what state? And kind of where in the clip did he change? Guilt? Uncertain. Uncertain. When? When did that start to shift? When he talked to a little boy, actually a little bit before that. Say again? Trading card. There was actually one before that. Guy going to jail. Yep, big black guy. Was she 16 or 17? He starts to question. He starts to change into a different state. Again, confused, um, con maybe even convicted. And then third state. Depressed and angry? Um, possibly, but not quite. All state, all discovery. Say it, hold on, say it again. All discover. All discover. Yeah, like he discovered the awakening. Yeah, awakening, that's a great term of putting it when he starts typing, right? How else would we describe what he was experiencing in that state of mind? Authentic. Authentic. Like clarity. Clar clarity, inspired. Purpose, exactly. And then the last state. Show me, show me the <laughs> Say that again. A vulnerability hangover. Absolutely. Yikes. What did I just do? Regret. Abject terror. Massive fear, right? All of those things. What what is most important to recognize is, can, could Jerry Maguire have written that manifesto when he was in his earlier state? Why not? He wasn't inspired to do so at that time. He wasn't inspired to do so at that time. Okay? Why else? Say it again. He didn't have the tools yet. What do you mean? He didn't have information to make it happen yet. Absolutely. What else? He was in a different state. You're already so confident that things are perfect the way they are. You're not going to be creative to make something new. Absolutely. Absolutely. You have to. You have to hit crisis and have life not be so perfect for that creativity state to hit. Um, for How's it looking up there, Chelsea? Really? Awesome. What happened? Do we know? The power cord. Yeah. It's an old computer, and the battery is dead. So, no, it's a Mac. Oh, nice. Isn't that good? So, but it's eight years old, so that, that explains it right there. Um, my computer is in a very different state right now than what I want it to be in. We could, we could put it that way. Um, your actions, your actions have to match your state of mind. And people most often feel stuck when they are forced to, or they need to do one particular action, but their state does not reflect it. Their emotional capacity, their emotional temperature is not actually ready for them to have to do what they have to do. Is that making sense? That's why we feel stuck so often is we're looking at what we have to do, we're looking at the tasks that have to be done, and we go, I just got to make this happen, but we oftentimes forget, we forget 
the necessity of changing our emotional temperature first so that we can actually have the greater chance of being successful in whatever the task is that we have to do. Um, if you don't change your state, then you actually become very um, conflicted. You're not congruent. I use that word a lot with my clients. What's happening on the inside and what's happening on the outside are two very different things. We end up in a state of flow. There's actually a book all about this, but you end up in a state of flow when what's happening on the inside is what's coming out on the outside and you're incredibly congruent. That's what happened with Jerry right here. He felt this conviction. He felt this, this dissonance within him. And in the middle of the night, after waking up from a dream where he's drowning, he goes, I got to do something about it. And his feelings, all the things that, that weren't acceptable. If we could finish the end of the clip, everyone applauds as he comes into the lobby there because they have this manifesto that he's now written. And one guy says to the other, how long do you think he's going to last? The guy goes, I don't know, five minutes. And they keep clapping for him. And, you know, right on, brother, good for you kind of thing. Because he said the things that you aren't supposed to say. But he was congruent, finally. And that congruence for, you know, at least eight hours, 12 hours, made him feel pretty good. But then he, he woke up and said, oh my goodness, what did I do? I broke, did he do anything wrong? Let me ask that question. Did Jerry Maguire do anything wrong? So nothing immoral, nothing illegal, nothing inappropriate. Oh, fun. This is going to be a good night. Um... Thank you very much. Um, he didn't do anything that is morally wrong, illegal, inappropriate, but he did break social norms for his company, right? He took a stand. And that congruence now cost him something. If you've seen Jerry Maguire, you know how it all plays out, right? How does it play out? Uh-oh. <laughs> That's your homework. Okay, you might need to go pick that up from the library or, you know, probably on Netflix, I wouldn't be surprised. See if you can find it and watch the movie. A little Renee Zellweger, a little Tom Cruise, and some little cute kid. So it all works out well in the end. Change your state and you'll change your life. I'm going to say that again. Change your state and you'll change your life. Again, a lot of people focus on information. Give me more stuff to read. Give me something I can learn. Let me change my cognitive portion. And you'll hear me all day long. Your thinking affects your experience. But this is the night where we get to focus on the other half of the balanced equation and go, your emotional state actually um, gives you a greater opportunity to actually implement what you learn cognitively. If you do not have a cognitive state or if you don't have an emotional state that will support it, it does not matter what you know. It doesn't matter what you've learned. It doesn't matter what information you have. You can't do it. So being able to change your physical state is absolutely essential. You have a question? Please do. So I don't know if I'm just nerd out math-wise here. Cool. Yes. The same. Yes. And you're talking about changing your state. Yes. Which would not seem to be congruent. Yes. So I'm assuming that you're, we have to be congruent with the right state or like, like Jerry with like an honesty or could you? Yeah. Great question. Right. Um, 
Because if your state is, I'm really scared to do something, and that fear is holding me back from getting me to where I want to be, um, you have to be able to say, I'm, I'm aware, number one, of what my state is. I'm afraid I have this fear that's kind of uh, keeping me stuck, it's keeping me limited in what I can do. But I also recognize that if I, if I, I have control over my state, if we assume that we are pure instinctual animals and we have no control over our life, we're doomed. We're, we're just doomed. And so we have the ability to examine ourselves, to live that self-examined um, perspective in our world and go, I'm angry right now and I'd like to be here. Here's, here's the goal. And so by changing your state, by changing, um, by changing your emotional state, and that comes through action. We're going to talk a little bit about that. You can actually move out of anger faster and get to where you want to be. Does that make sense? So what are you congruent with? I'm congruent on I want my life to become better. I don't want to be slave to all my emotions. I don't want to be stuck anymore. So you're congruent with your, your goal. The goal, correct. And honoring, honoring your current state that you're in right now. Because it's foolish to go... It's foolish to go, there's a bear right there, and I'm trembling inside, but I'm not going to be afraid right now, and I'm going to go up and give that bear a big hug. That's foolishness, okay? It's, it's appropriate to say, I recognize that I'm afraid. I recognize that this is a dangerous situation. That's being honest and congruent with yourself. And then you go, and I know I want to be over here away from the bear, running faster than you. And, and I, I need to now do something to change my state and get away from here. So you're, you're being both congruent and, and progressing into a, a different or a better state. Change your state and change your life. Chelsea, everyone give Chelsea a hand. Thank you so much, Chelsea. It looks like this. Again, tonight, this is the recipe we're using, okay? You address your emotions, you address your thinking, and then you address your actions. You have to pay attention to go, what emotional state am I in? You have to take captive of your thinking. You have to be able to say, I am, I'm thinking proper thoughts. I'm thinking truth. I'm, I'm, being, I'm, I'm aware of the scripts that are playing in my head that are limiting me, and I'm no longer going to, to um, believe those. Again, they still play like that old radio that's back here and the new radio, the new scripts up here. You'll still hear them, but you can actually turn up the new radio and then you move into the doing portion. I'm gonna put action behind this. When you can do that, you can start to change your state. Now, instead of just talking about it, I'd like to change your state right now. The next video I'm gonna show you is a little shorter than the last one. Um, it's in a different language, but it won't matter. You won't need to, you don't need subtitles, okay? Let's see if this works, Chelsea. What you're now listening to is a video of two guys sitting at a table with two glasses of beer in front of them, contemplating whether to drink this or not. And after they drink it, their voices turn into squeaky little girl voices because what it is is actually um, beer that is infused with helium. And all they do is take a sip and talk like little girls and laugh until they can't laugh anymore. It's a fantastic way of, of changing your state. Uh, I would strongly recommend you go to paulelmore.com and um, take a look at this video. Just do a search again under Stuck Podcast Week 5. I'll have that up on the um, post there so you can watch that. And it's, it's definitely worth the four minutes of watching that video.
Let's do it again. <laughs> what do you notice about your state right now? Different? How hard is it to not laugh when you're watching? I'm watching people wipe their tears away, okay, right now. Some of that's just helium-infused beer. Who are the people who came up with that? It has subtitles when I watch this. And, the, you know, the guy at the beginning, let's rate this, let's rate this, let's, you know, put on the scale. And halfway through, they're going, who cares? Who cares what it tastes like? This is the best beer ever. We're going to serve this all the time just because it changes their state. Helium-infused beer. And your state right now is very different. By being in proximity to someone else's whose state is, is just filled with laughter, by, by being in proximity to someone who's having such childlike experience, it rubs off, doesn't it? It's just hilarious. I've watched this three or four times as I was getting ready for the night, and I'm still just rolling in my office as I'm getting this thing prepped. It's like, this is still funny. It doesn't stop being funny. It's amazing. When we can, when we can move into this kind of state, we now actually have more options available to us in our life. Isn't that strange? Because you've done something that's changed your emotional state. Right now, if I were to give you some sort of cognitive testing or things like that, you would rate differently than if I were to change your state in some different way and, and bring, your, bring your emotional state into kind of a heavy, depressed, sad, weighty, or anxious state. It's amazing. Changing the emotional capacity first gets you unstuck. And something like this is just, just crazy, just super funny. Um, state changers. Here's the things that, that will quickly um, affect your, your emotional experience. And these, this list by no means are, is exhaustive, but this is just to get your, your thinking going um, on, on how, how your world, the state, gets set by all these different things. So for example, there's physical state changers, including being tired. Every one of you have probably seen that in a toddler. What do you got to make sure a toddler has lots of? Sleep. Because if they don't have sleep and naps, what happens to their state? It's a mess. Again, for those parents in the room, you just know. Not a whole lot gets done productive when you're when your one-and-a-half-year-old is in a bad state of mind because they haven't had enough sleep. Um, pain. Um, physical pain, toothache, back problems, headaches, um, joint pain, arthritis, all sorts of stuff. Pain, physical changes, which will change your state. Being hunger, uh, being hungry. Um, arousal, even sexual arousal, we're talking kind of that traumatic arousal again where your body's in that fight or flight mode. You're triggered and you're ready to, for action. When you're in that state, you're actually not capable of doing a lot of learning. You're in, you're in survival mode rather than receptivity and learning mode. Um, or a haircut. Do you know a haircut? Um, changing a physical attribute about yourself can change your attitude. Um, Why they call it what? Hair therapy. Therapy. Haven't heard that one. That's not bad. Um, huh, interesting. Right there is actually supposed to be a picture of me with my head shaved. I don't know where it is. This is a really fun night again. Don't worry about it. It's not that big a deal. Um, 
I accidentally shaved my head one time. Accidentally. <laughs> <laughs> Truly accidentally. Um, I was in a rush, I had to get somewhere, and I was cutting my own hair at the time, and I jumped into the bathroom, took the clippers, forgot to put the guard on that makes it the right height kind of thing, you know, and started on the side and went up the side of my head too far, I mean, beyond what you could, re beyond what you could rescue. And it was just like a big swath of a lawnmower just right through the grass kind of thing. And I froze for like three seconds, like, oh my gosh, what did I just do? My wife was out in the living room, and I walked out, and she was kind of over here in the big bald spots now over on here. And I said, hey, honey, you want to see something funny? And she looks up from her book or whatever. I go, look at that. Eyes get huge. And it's like, there's nothing to, nothing to be done for it. There's no graceful way to save yourself. So I went back into the bathroom and went right down the middle. Had to commit. It's hair. It grows back in six weeks. It's not a permanent change. But what surprised the heck out of me, well, that night, my poor daughter, she was about three at the time, maybe four. Um, she was up in bed but not asleep yet, so I called up the stairs, hey, Pumpkinhead, come here. And so she comes down the stairs, and I start coming up the stairs, and she, she sees me and does one of these and backs up. Because <laughs> she doesn't recognize me. It's so different, okay? I elicited a state change in her. And she, I can, I'll never forget the words. She goes, you sound like daddy, but you don't look like daddy. Yeah, oh, you know, traumatizing my child, my poor daughter. It took her a while to warm up to me because even that physical appearance changed her opinion and changed our interaction. It was a massive state change. But when I went to work the next day, my head is now as bald as you guys here. This is apparently the row to be in. Um, I walked taller. I couldn't believe it. I was surprised that I physically felt stronger. All it was was a haircut. But it's like, I just, I don't care anymore, apparently, because I, you know, shaving off my head. And it felt good. I kept it that way for six months. I just, I loved it. I thought about going back to it again, but everyone likes my gray hair, so I'm just going to keep that. Um, we can make a state change by changing something physical about our appearance. Do a massive hairdo. Change your clothes. Go out and buy an entirely new outfit and don't buy the cheap stuff. Buy one good outfit that fits you just right and then wear it and see if you walk taller. See if you carry yourself differently. Physical changes like that can absolutely change your state. Um, uh, here we go. Emotional things that can change your state. Laughter, we just watched that. Laughter is incredibly powerful. Again, lots of cool studies about people who have terminal, excuse me, terminal illnesses and they will just watch nothing but comedies for months and months. I mean, kind of laugh your butt off, super funny, slapstick, kind of old school comedy. And they actually start to heal. Laughter is remarkably healing. Gratefulness. Um, boy, I actually considered doing an entire series on just that concept right there, gratefulness. The capacity to, in the midst of no matter any situation you are sitting in, to, to stop and say, here are the things that I can be grateful for. There's always, always something, always something. Again, back kind of World War II, um, the, the barracks um, in the concentration camps were infested, infested with fleas. 
just the, the ratty blankets that they had. It was disgusting. These fleas were horrific. But what they found out is because of the, just the sheer amount of fleas, the guards hated going in there. They didn't want to be infested themselves. And so the prisoners realized this, and they could hide out, and they could find some sort of solace because of fleas. Something to be grateful for? It's not always your situation. Grief. Grief can shift your state probably more towards the heavy, more towards the, the painful aspect of your experience. Same with anger or fear. Um, experiential things that can be a state changer. Um, other people. Man, you ever walk into the room and you can just tell somebody's really not happy? You can just feel it. It's palpable. They will change your state. Music. One of my favorite, favorite ways to change your state. If you guys want to change your state, let's go to a rock concert together. Yeah. That'll change your... <laughs> got lots of people up front. That'll change your state instantly. Instantly. And again, probably not all of us would go to the same rock concert. Probably wouldn't happen. That's okay. If it'll change your state, go to the concert. Um, physical activity, exercise, running, working out, massive state changers, runner's high, um, all of those things that can change your state. Meditation, moving into a still state, letting your body rest. For some of you, that's incredibly difficult, but that experience can absolutely change your, change your state of mind and make you more receptive to what's happening in your world. A heart attack. You hear this all the time. Um, people just had a life-threatening heart attack, and they come out of the hospital, um, and they see the world through entirely different eyes. They stop wasting their time. A lot of times they quit their jobs. They go do something that's more meaningful for them or has some sort of eternal impact. That experience of having a heart attack, facing your own mortality, massively changes your state. Same with a cancer kind of diagnosis. Traffic phew, changes my state all the time. All the time. I have an assignment I give many of my clients, and they don't actually like it sometimes, but helping people to learn how to be present and in the moment, I tell them that they're not allowed to move out of the slow lane. They must always drive in the right-hand lane, and they're not allowed to pass. For some people, that is pretty close to a death sentence. That's just so triggering and infuriating but it's yet to happen. It's yet to happen that, that one of the clients that I give that assignment to, they'll come back and go, I've been doing this for three weeks, a month now, and I'm actually, it doesn't bother me anymore. It's actually kind of nice because I'm not in a rush. I just get behind the 67 Volkswagen bus, which is doing 40 miles an hour on 205, and I just drive behind him. And, it, and it, they're, they're able to change their state. Uh, cognitively, we can change our states. Um, inspirational speeches, um, you know, lots of lots of life-changing concepts and speeches out there. Same with podcasts, same with sermons. Just any type of information that comes out that, that, that inspires you, that motivates you. Um, I'm a massive um, addict of podcasts. I just love listening to anything out there. And 
Oftentimes I'll be listening and taking notes, not about what the podcast is about, but because I'm just listening to someone else talking um, or, or sharing their experience, and it triggers two, three, five, seven things that I want to work on within my life, and I just start taking notes, and it's like, if I wasn't listening to this podcast, there's no way in the world I'd have access to this information of what's going on in my own head. For whatever reason, it synthesizes it and kicks my butt into doing something about it. Um, I do the same thing sitting in a church, listening to sermons. I always have my iPad there, and I'm always taking notes on something else because it's always triggering, always stimulating, always moving me into something else. Um, relationally, uh, relationally, we can change our states significantly. What I call rich people, find people that you want to be like, okay? Financially, emotionally, spiritually, relationally, businessally. We'll call it occupationally. Um, Find people who are rich in what you want to be like and hang out with them. That, that relationship will change you. Or the other one, which is pretty much um, a given, puppies will change your state. That and cat videos. They will always change your state. Because a dog, again, I'm a massive uh, Caesar Milan fan. And being able to read the energy of another living animal, dogs are able to pick up and sense what's going on inside you, and they actually respond to your emotional state. Um, I actually do some work with uh, some, someone else in town here who uses dogs as therapy. Um, and they'll have someone in the room, and the dogs are in there, and they're actually not watching the person, they're watching how the dogs respond to them. Because if the dog's standing off, if the dog is, is, is uh, tentative, or if the dog goes over and snuggles up next to them, the behavior of the dog tells a lot about what, what the person needs because the dog doesn't communicate cognitively. It's not saying, now tell me how you feel. Dogs don't do that. They just react and respond appropriately to what you need. So relationally, all these things can change your state. Questions about any of those? Is that making sense so far? Changing your state's a really good thing. Okay. Getting in the zone. Don't try to do something important without making sure you are in the right state. Um, as I work with couples, the very first thing we always, always, always talk about is openness. Because if I have two couples and they're sitting here like this and they're not talking to each other, not looking at each other, are we going to get much done? What is their state telling me? Closed off. Closed off. What else? Defensive. Defensive. Absolutely. What else? Unwilling, prideful, aggressive, not cooperative, stubborn. That's a great one. So until that state change happens, we don't bother talking about anything else. Um, and state changes or, or states of mind is typically what people argue about in relationships. Did you know that? It's very little about content. Because it's like, why were you late? Well, why are you asking me? Why are you grilling me again? And now you're not talking about why you're late anymore. Now you're talking about the emotional state that the other person responded to. Well, I'm not, why are you always questioning me? How come you just won't give me a straight answer? And now the, states, the state, emotional states are just out the window. They're just gone. Most conflict in marriage is about, is about um, incongruent states of mind. And when, when you can sit with the person that you're trying to relate to and go, right now we're not connected. Right now we're not on the same page. Right now you're mad at me and I'm mad at you. But 
We're going to work this out. And the most important thing is, is I want to make sure that you feel heard, understood, and loved, and cared for. And you can do that for me. Now you move into the same state, which is we're going to work this through together. And then you can actually have productive conflict. It's really amazing how fast conflict actually gets resolved. When you have that intensity, when you have someone who's baiting the other person, when you have someone who, who actually is looking for reasons to accuse the other person, their state of mind is already um, kind of front-loading it to, to create the argument, to create the conflict. And it's not about the content anymore. Tracking with me so far? being aware of your own state. Um, sometimes between my wife and I, again, I know for a fact that I'm in a bad state of mind. I'm not receptive. I'm triggered. I'm angry. I'm hurt. I'm upset, whatever that is. And she'll come in and try to comfort me. And I'll have to look at her straight in the eyes and go, I don't want to be comforted right now. I'm not, I'm not receptive yet. You're going to have to come back in 20 minutes, half an hour. Because I, 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 just, I can't shake the state that I'm in right now, but, I, but I'll, I'll acknowledge what it is, and, and I'm going to take responsibility for my life, for me personally. I'm not going to blame it on you. I'm not going to put it on you. I'm going to take responsibility for my life first and say, let me adjust my state first. When you do that, well, how would that feel if your spouse responded to you that way instead of taking your head off? instead of attacking you. They were able to say, I'm in a bad spot. I don't want to hurt you. Give me a minute. Would that be a positive experience or a painful experience? What if I want to talk about it right now? What if you want to talk about it right now? Yeah, I don't want to wait. What should you do? See, this is good fun. This is the interactive part. <laughs> what should you do? If you don't want your head taken off, it's probably good to wait. True. That's probably a really good answer. What else? I want to talk about it right now, and you don't want to talk about it. Yep. Well, I know two things. I know, like, in the relationship with my parents, that they did, like, bully me into talking when I did. And I know what that feels like, so from that perspective, I know my husband is a quiet, introverted person. Yep. Yep. Um, uh, saying, I understand how you feel, and I'm going to respect that, but I want to let you know that right now I really want to talk. Yeah. So, like, I'm going to need to go out to the garage because it's probably the country thing for you to talk, or if it wants a dog, or okay. something, because right now I feel like I'm not. So, you acknowledge your state, and they acknowledge their state. No talking, wanting to talk, but someone's still going to win, if you want to put it in those terms, right? Because you can't both get what you want at that same time. Right? There's an answer to this, by the way. I'll, I'll, I'll give you some. Anyone else? So let's play with this because this is, it comes up a lot. Oh, yes. You could write it down. Say it again. You could write it down. You could write it down. Absolutely. Really big letters. Really <laughs> dark ink. Yep. Doesn't it depend on the level of relationship that you have with the other person? The sure. Because yeah. if you're very connected, then, then uh, if you said that, they, your uh, wife or whoever could say. Hey, it could, yep. It could depend upon the equity in the relationship. Absolutely. Here's, here's a rule of thumb. Oh, got some more. this is more fun. I like audience participation. There and then there, okay? I was just going to say, like, sometimes I'm 
Okay? So, so setting the terms. You have one hour to get it together, and then we're coming back and talking. Absolutely. Yep? Ask yourself why you need to talk right now. That's a great question. See, I like that one. That's very good. Why do I need to talk right now? Why is it so important to me? Yes, sir. When do you feel like you will be able to talk? But do you hear the theme here, which is still the person who doesn't want to talk typically sets the tone because, because forcing, I like the word bullying, typically doesn't lead to productive conversation. It typically leads to a different state change. Because if one person's feeling bullied or pressured, then not much, comp not much productive conversation happens. Let's take it out of the realm of conversation real fast and move it into the realm of hiking, okay? Because hiking and this have a lot in common. You're hiking with somebody and their pace, okay? Just their skill of hiking is slower than yours. Will it work to come back to them and say, you have to walk faster for the next 18 miles and keep up with us? Go. Does that typically work? No. It's unsustainable, isn't it? As a general rule, in relationship, when you're working with people, the more conservative person typically sets the pace. Okay? That happens in conflict and conversation. That happens sexually. Okay? There might be someone who has a higher sex drive or libido and someone else who has a little bit more uh, hesitancy in that. Forcing them to have sex a lot typically is not putting them into a good state. The person who is more conservative has the capacity or has the responsibility of setting the tone for the relationship. Now, you have to go into the relationship very intentionally asking, do we typically have the same... Um, skill set or pacing because if you if you go for hiking with somebody and they can do two miles an hour and and you can do 15 miles an hour that's really good hiking by the way um, <laughs> might not be a really good long-term hiking partner that analogy broke down really fast <laughs> apparently I do a lot of hiking you can tell um, but you get the point right you have to make sure that, the, that you are at least in, in, in proximity to each other. But you have to honor the person who's more conservative. That's a, a typically the rule across the board. Compromise. It's not compromise. Sacrifice. It's, there is a better word, sacrifice. Um, again, the world will say, I'm over here, I'm over here, let's meet in the middle. That's fantastic. Now you're in a both place that neither one of you want to be. That's great. Instead... <laughs> What typically works better is you're over here. I'm going to come all the way over here this time. What do you need? How can I minister to you? How can I meet your needs? And then the other person at another time can go, I'm going to come all the way over here. What do you want? What do you need? How can I minister to you? Sacrificial living. That was a little tangent, but conflicts. Um, being in the zone, being in the right state, um, doing something important and making sure you're in the right state. So if you're in a relationship, being open. Yes, ma'am. Yes. 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 Um, the way it, it shows up in my office a lot is, is the other person's controlling me. Her question was, the person who's uh, more conservative and setting that pace is being accused often or being shamed by the other person. 
for always kind of being the slow one. Um, and again, in my office, I actually hear it being complained about, well, well, that the other person's trying to control me. You know, he or she will not give me what I want. And they always are setting the tone. They're always setting the pace. Okay? Um, two answers. Number one, yes, there are some people who adopt the more passive-aggressive relational style, which says, I know if I withhold, I can get what I want. It's sheer manipulation. It's sheer... Um, unhealthy relationship. It's, it's, it's an incredibly toxic and incredibly difficult relational style when someone does it on purpose. Um, red flags, big red flags, a lot of red flags. Um, then there's other people who genuinely are just more conservative because that's their temperament, that's their personality, or that's their story. Again, I have, a, I have an injured back. I am not going to be able to do things. I'm, I'm not going to be the two-mile-an-hour hiker. I'm going to be the quarter-of-a-mile hiker because I'm just limited. I'm not doing it because I want to get my way or force people to do something. I'm just physically limited. And so um, having people understand that about me, typically um, that person, if they are shaming me, yeah, I'll go here. If that person is perpetually shaming me, because of a genuine limitation, personality difference, um, legitimate hesitancy. Um, if you've done your best to dialogue around that and say this isn't working, this is completely inappropriate, and you've had other people kind of speak into that going, the way you're treating you know, your spouse in that way is completely inappropriate. Um, and again, spouse, friend, family member, boss, I don't care who it is. Um, that, that relationship is typically unsustainable, long-term. Um, you have to set up some sort of boundary. You just have to create some sort of appropriate guard against receiving that kind of interaction because it's unsustainable. Does that answer your question? Which is a painful answer. And I wish I had a different answer. Yep. A conservative person can be taken advantage and manipulated by a controller. Absolutely. Absolutely. And it's appropriate for that, for that more conservative person to find their voice. To now say, that's enough of that. Again, appropriately healthy, seeking guidance and counsel and all those things. Uh, creativity, okay. Um, again, getting your state into the right, getting into the right state to be successful in what you're doing. I found out something bizarre, blows me away. Um, earlier this year, I, I wrote a small book, and, and I'm a touch typist. I don't have to look at the keyboard, and I type really fast on my, on my keyboard um, when my computer's plugged in, apparently. Um, but I can't write um, creatively on my computer. For, I, I can't sit at a desk, I can't sit in my office and do it. It's the wrong environment, it's the wrong state. I write best at 2.30 in the morning on my iPad with two fingers that It's rhythmic, it's soothing, it's comforting. I don't know what it is, but the, the, it just flows out of me. And it's like, huh, that's weird. I never would expect that. But I, I, I found my state which helped me become creative. 
For some of you, that needs to be outdoors, or that needs to be in a studio somewhere, or that needs to be running, or whatever that is. But finding that state, finding that place where you can be creative. Um, job interviews. A lot of people uh, sit waiting for a job interview. They're sitting in the waiting room. And what do you typically do when you're waiting nowadays? What's the first thing you do? Pull out your phone, and you start doing this, right? Playing whatever, you know, Candy Crush or whatever thing, or checking Facebook, or it's down like this. What do you think this posture does to your state? Brings you down, closes you off. This is actually a shame, this is a shame state, okay? Your head's down, your shoulders are up. It actually promotes shame. So now, the people say, come on in for your interview. What state of mind are you in? You're, fo you're focused on your technology, but you're actually, the state has put you in is, is to a much lower, much more, um, uh, we'll say, conservative or less powerful state. So, again, a TED Talk showed this. What they suggest you do is go out into the hall or in the bathroom and stand like this, feet apart, and make a big Y. There you go. You saw that TED Talk. Stand like that for two minutes, okay? And when you do this, it's impossible to feel like this. And again, people on TED Talks and they do all the research that they, they big, huge control group of people come in and they just ask the interviewers which people had a, had a better first impression. And it was just you know, off the chart. People who did this came across more confident, more comfortable with themselves, more capable, more competent. It's just crazy. Um, even spiritually, you have to get into the right state of mind before you're actually in a place of worship. A lot of times I sit with clients and they're going, it, I just, it doesn't feel like I hear from God. God doesn't talk to me. It feels like he's so distant. And I go to the question, tell me about your relationships down here. And nine times out of 10, well, I'm distant from everybody. You can change your state of mind in your relationship with God, how you perceive him, how you actually experience him by changing your experience with other human beings. Isn't that amazing? So you might, need to, you might need to get in connection with your creator by getting connection with the person sitting next to you and just being open and receptive to them, feeling connected in that way. Everyone doing okay? I'd like to change your state again. Would that be all right? This one... This one has a greater potential of um, being uncomfortable for some folks, okay? Um, if you feel overwhelmed, do what you need to do to take care of yourself, okay? Let's see if it plays, Charles. Good. This is only about three minutes long. What you'd be watching right now if you were sitting in the audience is a video of two uh, gentlemen in Germany, uh, look to be early 20s, who have their uh, faces covered in um, bandanas and masks, and they start to climb a radio tower that's about 1,200 feet high. And as they climb to the very, very top of this thing, they climb out onto the outside of this radio tower and stand up on it un unconnected, um, completely free of any safety equipment, holding up a camera, filming themselves. It's kind of these extreme um, daredevil kind of experiences. 
Um, when you're watching it, it creates a very strong visceral experience. And so we are letting the audience watch this so that they can give their feedback, which you'll hear in just a moment. Put words to your state now. <laughs> okay, are to groan. Impressed. Okay, absolutely. Anyone else? Nauseous. Someone back there? Irritated. Irritated. Okay. Tight. Yes. Lifted. Okay. There's a support group for you. Okay, somewhere else. Okay. Fun to do a bungee jump. They weren't bungeed in. If you notice that ladder they were climbing up, there was a track up the middle. That's for something called a cable grabber. So the guys who actually work on them are clipped in. These crazy college kids go up there. Regular shoes. Just, yep. They're, they're wearing, you know, Chuck Taylors up there and just staying on the tippy top, holding up the GoPro kind of thing. What do you notice about your physical state? Because I was watching you guys as I was watching that video, and I watched some very similar reactions when you watch something like that. Hmm. By phobia, it did kind of help counter yeah. some of my anxiety, and also the views were quite beautiful. Sure. Yeah, you enjoy the view for the three seconds on the way down. <laughs> yeah. It felt like confident, like, look at me. Felt confident, okay? Yeah. That's your experience, absolutely. That can motivate you to be confident. That's not everyone's experience. Yeah. I had to close my eyes. Yes, I you did. Even watch it. Yes, why? What was happening? Yeah. I love heights. I climb and I hang on ropes all the time. And watching that, I have a physiological reaction. My chest gets tight. It is physically uncomfortable to watch that for some reason. I hate it. Hey. You wish you could do that. Why? Unachievable. Last week, that box, okay, it goes into the impossible box again. Interesting. Yeah. I have a strange feeling of being tempted. So I'm like a, tempted. Like a daredevil guy. And now that I'm like a, a, a family and a father, sure. I it. Yeah. So it's weird, kind of like, yep. If you had, didn't sit in that pew, you could have still been doing that. Instead, <laughs> you dated and, you know, everything changed. No safety net. There is no safety net. There's someone over here. Neck muscles. For those who were uncomfortable, the most common physiological reaction I saw was this. <laughs> Yours was that, okay? But it's this. I'm, I'm protecting all my vital organs, all the stuff around my neck, and I'm closing my mouth, okay? We carry a lot of emotions right through our jaws, especially when we're tense, especially when we're uncomfortable. Yeah. Really? Makes you happy. Makes you liberated. I'm glad that was your experience. That's fantastic. Yes. For some reason, it made me irritated. Irritated. Right up there with the same guy that rides his wheelie on 205 during rush hour. Yeah. And he guesses why. 
And again, you don't have to answer that if you don't want to, but what do you think stirs inside you that creates frustration rather than foolishness? foolishness? Yeah. Yeah. Foolishness. Yes. Uh, worth the risk. Worth the risk? Yeah. They'll never forget that moment. They'll never forget that moment. No, they definitely won't. They definitely won't. enjoyed it, but then felt impossible for you, and then you move to the self-loathing portion. Yeah. Interesting. We have other people yeah. kind of agreeing. There's a little bit of like a jealousy. Jealousy. Yeah. jealousy. That they can do something so extreme, and you can't. Yeah, I don't understand it, and that's like Got it. Yeah. Yeah. I would make an argument, and actually, I feel like I probably would want to tag this right here, and then I'll come to you here. A little bit of brain damage, and that's what makes it possible for them to do that. Yeah. Yeah. Guys typically don't have some of those warning signals that go off in their head. Um, this is one of those things that. It's, it's enjoyable, and, and you can admire someone who does something of such extreme risk. Um, but I would argue this probably falls into the category of foolish risk. Risk is good, okay? Measured risk is healthy. Um, when I climb, when I do challenge course stuff, um, I, we have a, I, I worked on a course, we had a 90-foot, okay? So that was a tenth of what they are up to. They are 1,000-plus feet up there. Um, and the 90 foot, when you get to the top of this big tree, it's swaying at the top and wiggling and moving and all sorts of stuff. But I have a really good rope clipped into me. I don't have to use the rope, but I have it just in case. That mitigates my risk. That keeps me safe, but I still push myself outside of that boundary. In fact, that same tree, uh, it just has staples all the way up. When we have people climb it, um, we give them a little ribbon and we say, pick your staple that you want to get to and then see if you can go one staple higher and tie a ribbon on that. And there's this big, beautiful tree in the middle of, the, of Mount Hood National Forest and there's just these, all these orange ribbons on it all over the place. And what usually happens, which is just, again, one of the best jobs in the world, is some of them, they usually pick about halfway. I'm going to, there's actually kind of this little bend in the tree and for whatever reason that kind of becomes a natural set point. I think I can get to that one. And they get to that one, and they stop, and they go, okay, I got to my goal, and I'll go, can you do one more? And they'll do one more, and then another, and then another. And uh, I've seen it over and over that they go all the way to the top, and they tie their stupid ribbon up on the top of the, top, top of the tree, and then they climb back down, or they rappel down, actually. We let them sit in the rope, because they get past that one set point. So risk. I admire these folks. Please. <clears throat> it's, it's, it's neat to see people push the extremes. Please do it in a, in a way that, that you reduce the risk of harm. That, I think, falls into the category of foolishness. Yes, lots of comments on this one. Let's go here first, then we'll come here. Oh, oh, you said your thing. Because um, you had talked about how relationally we connect with people. Yep. I was having a hard time connecting with them because I couldn't see their face. Yes. They were wearing masks because they're posting something highly illegal on YouTube. And they, yep, 
But you can't connect to these people because there's something in the way. Yeah. Absolutely. 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 That makes sense. Yes? Well, I'm wondering. I, I was happy. Happy? But I also felt sick at the same time. Happy and sick. Yep. So that made me feel good. Cool. Yeah. And I noticed that when I, I was, I liked looking outward. Yeah. But the down. You. Do. Do. Made me feel really. Yes. Yeah. yeah, looking down is not a good thing. Especially that one angle shot on the top of the pole where it looks all the way down. That's just crazy. Ben, it looks like next week we're going to have to do some stuff up on the balcony and people hanging <laughs> off the balconies and walking on the edges. And we'll see if we can integrate that into the time next time. That'll be memorable. A couple more and then we're going to move on here. Yes. Yep. Uh, for me it was over the top. Over the top. I would love to climb up to the top. Yep. Never climb outside. Never go on sitting on the top. Okay. Yeah. Me too. See, I'm in, your, I'm in your camp. I'd love to go up there and take a look at the view, but I would use that track in the middle with a big cable grabber on there and just climb all the way up there and and have lunch, yeah. <laughs> but I would never stand on top because I have children and a wife, <laughs> and I like being married. So, yes. I can find kind of strange, but I'm kind of thankful that they did that. Really, that you're thankful. That experience. Okay. It's cool to see that view, but not actually have to go do it. A little vicarious living. Yeah. Excellent. Yeah, and it's cheaper on your insurance rates too. So that's absolutely true. Yeah. Really, it crossed some sort of threshold for you, and that that once they were, it's the yeah. I think it's the moving of the hands. You have to let go each time. I think halfway up, my hands would just stop working, and I would just be uh, die right there because I just couldn't <laughs> keep going. It's too overwhelming. For me, it's the sweet spot. Sweet spot. Yeah. So we mitigate that by going anything over 20 feet and the same thing happens. Yep. You fall from 15 feet or 150 feet or 1,050 feet, the, the results are the same. You have the ability that some people here don't have to be able to make that cognitive shift in your brain because it, 1,000 feet feels a lot worse than 15, that, according to me. But I'm glad you enjoyed that. I'm really glad you enjoyed that. We'll come around here somewhere. Yes. Yep. I commonly went out, you know, 15 stories. Sure. Hang out the edge and frame it. Yes. Doable. That makes sense. Yeah, I can remember doing that a couple years ago. Yeah, as a carpenter. Yeah, some people have actually been in that experience. That's, again, blessings on your head, but. Um, it actually threw off my equilibrium because I was coming back from the bathroom and standing up. Huh. And I yeah. Yep. Yep. One of the things actually written in my notes is we could watch the entire video again. I can change your entire experience by having you stand on one foot while watching that. <laughs> it might. Yeah, up on the balcony. Yeah. Um, 
but yeah, you're changing your physical state, which is now changing your visual state, and it, and it will change how you actually perceive that video. Because your body is now, it's, 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 it's haptic feedback. It's like going, man, this is a whole different experience. Yes? Okay. But it, it created a yearning in me to do like impossible things. Really? A yearning to do impossible things. <clears throat> I like that because something that seems daunting isn't going into your impossible box. It's going into the I wonder what <laughs> box. Fantastic. Clip in, okay? Go climb something, but clip in. Don't mitigate risk. Okay, this one stirred up a lot of stuff. That's cool. I'm actually glad to see we have a whole range of experiences around this video. I was actually a little worried to show it because of my own personal visceral reaction. Sorry for those in the front row. I'm kind of spraying here. Um, my, own, my own reaction actually kind of tainted what I perceived your guys' reactions would be. And so I actually have one more event planned to kind of help get us out of a... Get, help me get me out of a kind of an intense state and into a, an entirely different state, okay? Uh, before we started, I handed out little red balloons. So if you have a balloon, go ahead and blow that up, okay? As big as it'll go, and then tie it off so that we just have balloons. You want a balloon? I have balloons. Not everybody has to have a balloon, but just we'll blow up some balloons. So if you want a balloon, I'll throw you a balloon. A red balloon. Just blow it up. Would you like one? Oh, okay, there we go. Perfect. Just blow up a balloon. If you don't have one, that's okay. Everyone will still get to play. Oh, you guys want balloons, see? Hey, hey. Oh, sorry. There's some balloons. There's a balloon. Thank you. Everybody likes red balloons, see? Everyone got some? Anyone else want a balloon? Oh, look at this. Okay. Fantastic. Here's a balloon for you. Here's a balloon for... Oh. All right. There you go. There you go. Amazing how popular red balloons can be. There's one for you. There's one for you. Oh, sorry. Almost there. Hang on to your balloons. Don't play too much. Okay. If all the balloons are blown up, here's what I'd like to do. Um, everyone needs to know when their birthday is. We actually call this game Scaloons, okay? It's just a goofy name, but Scaloons, okay? Um, stand up, please. Stand up. <clears throat> be careful of the drinks. Be careful of each other. Be careful of the pews. Don't poke out an eye. Um, if your birthday is in the first three months, so January, February, March, you have to use your head. You cannot use any other part of your body, okay? Um, the next three months... April, May, June, you have to use your hands. July, August, September, you have to use your feet. And the last three months, you have to use your body, okay? And what's going to happen is, is the balloons need to go up in the air, and the balloons are not allowed to touch the ground, okay? You might want to actually move out of the pews if you want to, okay? You might want to come closer here. Body, okay? Not your head, not your hands, and not your feet. So you've you got a backside, you've got a front side, you can... Put your left foot in, put your left foot out. You can do whatever you want, okay? And so when you're... Okay, hold on a second. I'm going to take my iPad. No, no, no. You're going to throw them up, and the balloons have to be 
Launched into the air, but the balloons cannot touch the ground. Ready, go. Fill them up. Fill them up. Okay. Someone else needs to grab them. Don't let them touch the ground. You have to use the part of the body that I said. This is the final oh, event of the evening the that we did together. It's a game called Skaloons, where everyone just bats around a big red uh, balloon and with different body parts. Uh, each, par each participant has a chance to kind of uh, interact in whatever way they want to. Some people stood on the outside kind of watching. Some people really got into the game. Whatever it was, um, this experience gave them a chance to examine why they did what they did and uh, examine their state um, uh, from one moment to the other. I've actually reduced the uh, length of this just, just to get through the podcast here. No the game went on for probably five or six minutes, uh, but this is a much more condensed version. You'll hear us debrief here in just a moment. Perfect. Get going Hold on, don't pop them yet. Grab a balloon. There you go, because the next part of this is grab some balloons here, make sure all the balloons are picked up, because we have to take away the toys real quick here and do that by popping them. So if you don't like popping balloons, cover your ears. And if you have a balloon, Dispose of it. Get it popped here. Let's get them popped. Ready, go. Thanks for picking it up, guys. Appreciate you doing that. Find your seats real quick. It's little red balloons, and everyone wanted one, and it's fun to play with them, isn't it? This is why kids cry when they go to the circus and their balloon flies up in the air, because they're actually fun. Put some words to your state right now. What do you notice? Pain. Pain? Okay. For the older folks in the room, that might be a little difficult. Sure, okay. Anyone else? Face hurts from laughing. Tighten muscles up there. Absolutely. Ready for? I don't know. I just feel really aware. Yeah, yeah. And so now if someone said, hey, let's go do this, whatever it is, it's like absolutely from red balloons. Isn't that amazing? I feel kind of defeated. Defeated. Uh-huh. Someone hits it. So you're just standing around for the last round. Bummer. <laughs> so we have a rule breaker here. Anyone else? Okay. Aware of your limitations, absolutely. Yeah. Connected. Talk about the room real fast. What about, uh, but tell me more about the room. Yeah. It's getting slapped, yeah. yeah. It changes the environment in the room. I actually contemplated running one other game, but I chose not to. But yeah, the feeling in the room changes, yeah. Teamwork? Really? Wow. That's right. You had the really good group, apparently. Everyone up here didn't care. They were breaking the rules all over the place. Just hitting it and kicking it and 
picking on this guy down here because he didn't get to touch it at all. Man. Wow. Anyone? Yes. I think the whole, like, shame versus empowerment thing. Like, shame versus empowerment. Well, like, when you have your hands, it's much easier to hit it. And I saw everyone had their hands, like, bang, bang, bang. Yeah. How come no balloons like me? Right. Exactly. All the balloons want to go play with somebody else. Yeah. Um, at the beginning, I felt like panic and obligation to keep huh. the balloon in the air. Right. And like when you saw it dropping, right. Right. And then you got over it really quick. You just didn't care anymore. There are no rules. You're not going to get in trouble. So just do whatever you want. Absolutely. Yes. Unity. Yeah. Unity is good. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, I felt a lot of cynicism. Cynicism. Please tell me why. Well, you know, whenever you do those kinds of exercises, uh -huh. there's always the. I tried to do what you suggested, which was, you know, what you said, but to think about why you're feeling this thing. Yeah. I tried to participate, but you're also deeply. You're like. This is meant to teach us this. This is meant for us to talk about this. this is, so, obviously, that's my own issue. Yeah. Actually, I'm actually glad that you brought that up because that cynicism hits for a lot of people uncontrollably. It's like that's just a default mode, and it's like you're trying to do, you're trying to make me do something that's out of the norm. What do you want? What, what's your game, dude? And I'm not going to let you win. And, the, and like what Vince said about con being closer, I definitely don't feel that. I would have liked to, you know, as far as being in on that. I mean, I was trying to do it. What are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> I was hitting balloons. Yes, you were hitting balloons. But when you're ready to do it on your terms, not with someone else trying to manipulate you or trying to teach you something, when you are ready to say, I want to move into a different state, I want to be open and receptive, and, um, and I'm willing to challenge the cynicism, you pick the time you want to blow up the balloons, and you pick the fringe you want to play balloons with, okay? okay? That might be out here later on tonight, that might be two weeks from now, that might be at the end of the year. But if you, can, if you can say, I recognize this and this has held me back from whatever other opportunities have been presented before me, if it takes a stupid red balloon, man, that's fantastic. Run with it. I'm, I'm so thankful that you actually were brave enough and, and kind enough to, to call out the cynicism because I know you're not the only one in the room. There you go. <laughs> Just because I like you better than everyone else. Yes, ma'am. Um, I kind of felt permission to be childlike. Permission to be childlike. Yeah, because I normally, like, I would not take in a game like that or initiate it. Sure. Said, oh, this is what's going to happen. I'm like, all right, let's play a little bit fun. Let's play. Yeah. Let's just have a good time. You have permission. I often feel I need permission You need permission to play. Yeah. Then I want to give it to you, okay? You have my permission to play anytime you want. 
okay? As long as you're safe, okay? But play, play a lot. Man. 8.45. Isn't that dumb? Let's get through a couple things real fast, and then I got some homework assignments. I don't typically give homework, but let's give you some homework. Getting unstuck. Again, feel the room. It'd be fun to keep playing, wouldn't it? I can feel it. It's like, it'd be fun to try something else. I had something else in my bag of tricks, but I'm going to, again, intentionally not do that. Maybe we can do that next time. We'll, we'll see what happens. But um, feeling stuck means you're constantly experiencing an unwanted state. That's a kind of a real basic um, understanding of what this feeling of being stuck actually is, is the state that I'm in, I don't want it anymore. I don't like it, and, and I can't seem to change my state. Tonight, I want you to hear that you can always, always, always change your state. It takes a 13-cent red balloon to change your state. There's always a way to change your state. Your quality of life is dependent upon your ability to regulate states. There are some people who have a very, very difficult time being able to, to regulate themselves, and they're actually kind of held hostage by their emotions and by their physiological states. Being able to manage the stories in your head is one way that you can manage those states. You can regulate those states. Again, the stories of, of red balloons are stupid and he's trying to trick me and he's trying to get something. That could be one story that could be limiting. Or it's great to be childlike or it's great to have teamwork. Balloons are balloons are balloons. It's the story we tell. And when you can start to capture and understand the stories that are going over in your head, you have more options available to you. When you're mastering your physical responses, um, when you can recognize, I feel tight, I feel this closing my eyes, I feel this, this, this crouching down, I can feel my body triggering in some way, you're able to use both your brain, the cognitive, and change your physical state, which says, wait a second, right now I know that I'm safe. There's nothing that's threatening right now. The people around me are safe. I'm in a safe environment, so I'm going to very intentionally sit up. I'm going to do this if I need to. I'm going to put my arms out here. I'm going to sit in a more exposed, open posture and see if I can change my physiological state by just changing my posture. And then do something physically. That might be important if you can read by the font size. You have to do something physical. I had you sit in a different place tonight. You're still sitting, but you sit in a different place. That's something physical. It changes your perspective. It changes your, your, um, your experience. You got up and you whacked balloons. You step, out of your you step out of your comfort zone. One step, two step, however many that is. But you have to actually do something. There has to be application put to it. Um, the more counterintuitive the experience or the physical thing that you are doing, the more powerful state change. The more counterintuitive, the more powerful the state change. It creates a stronger emotional connection, creates a stronger emotional bond. So for, so for instance, yes. Um, yeah. Is there anyone who 
feels like they can trust me and would be willing to demonstrate something for or with me, would you? Come on up. Thank you. Tell everyone your name. Joan Carroll. Joan. Joan Carroll. Joan Carroll. Sorry. Come on over here. Here's what we're going to do, okay? What I'd like to do is I'd like to just have a quick little bonding moment with you. Would okay. that be okay? So here's what we're going to do. I'll put this down. Um, I'd like you to take your left hand, okay? Take your left finger, and I'd like you to stick it up your nose. <laughs> Excellent. Okay, shake my hand. I really am glad to see you. Thanks for coming. It's really nice to have you. Thank you. I'm okay. glad to be here. Good. <laughs> Fantastic. Okay. Wipe that off. If I were to ask you guys to do that, but don't smile, how possible would that be? It's tough. So. The more counterintuitive, we don't greet each other with our fingers up our nose, do we? It doesn't make sense. That makes a physical change, which changes our state right now, to something ridiculous. And so I'm not sure how meaningful that was for you. Um, I'm not sure how meaningful it was for me. I didn't get a balloon, and I was feeling oh, sad. Shoot. So I'm glad I did this. Thank you for coming. Here's your, oh, I'll use a different hand, because that one's kind of used right now. You have two. There you go. I get two. Thank you very much, okay? It sounds a little odd, but when you have someone who's in a depressed state, when you have someone who's actually almost in, in one of those states where they're constantly self-defeating, they're beating themselves up, they're, they're constantly talking down about themselves, they cannot find anything good about themselves, I have in the past had them stand up and say, go ahead and keep saying that, okay? Continue that conversation. All I want you to do is do it with your finger up your nose. And typically, they get through one, two, maybe three sentences, and it's like, this do it doesn't feel the same anymore. You're right. It doesn't feel the same. It shouldn't feel the same. It's such a powerful state change because you've changed your physical, your physiology, and, it, and it's so counterintuitive that it creates a powerful state change. You can actually snap yourself out of that, that self-defeating kind of conversation. One of the weirdest things you'll ever see at Refuge, right there. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you very much. I'm sorry, say again? Is there another example you can give of that? Is there another example I can give of that? Yes, I can. I happen to know that in this room, um, within this series over the last five weeks or so, some people have spoken up that absolutely are terrified to speak up, but they actually have said things. That right there, using their voice, has created a state change in them, and they are, they are now experiencing this series because they've done something physically uncomfortable or difficult or so counterintuitive to how they are. And it's not quite as weird as sticking your finger up your nose. But it promotes change in some way. Would climbing a tower? Would climbing a tower? If you use the cable grabber and you're clipped in, absolutely. <laughs> I, I strongly encourage that. I, I sat with a client recently, um, and she ran um, 
Uh, I, I know them as Tough Mudders, um, also called a Spartan Race. It's one of these where they, it's just an obstacle course that's just mud and, and you have to do crazy things and it's just, it's just so just weird and, and, and out of the norm. And she was running it with her, with her um, co-workers and she's a fairly quiet, meek person, but on that course, she was, you know, yelling and screaming and, and hollering at people, just naturally got her into a different state. And she came in and reported to me, she says, ever since I've run that thing, I'm ready to take on the world. Let's go. And it's lasted for weeks because she did something which was so counterintuitive to her, it created a powerful state change. This is why I do challenge course experiential stuff and I play games because the experience transforms, change, puts people in a different state and they're not ready for it. I have a backpack with about 50 mouse traps in it. It's amazing what you can learn with a mouse trap because I play a game where we break into two teams, you have a partner, um, so if it was you and me, um, and so there'd be, let's say, 15 of us over here and 15, uh, paired up, and we'd have about 50 mouse traps set, and we'd be barefooted, I'd be blindfolded, and you'd have to verbally walk me through the minefields so I wouldn't step on the mouse. Do you see your response right here? Do you see that right there? Barefoot. But that creates a state change, and you might be ready to learn something in that place, okay? Again, it's a weird job I have. I understand it's just bizarre, but... I really love to watch people change. I really love to watch people move into a different state because they walk out of there going, man, if I can do that, if I can climb a 90-foot tree, if I can put my hand on a mousetrap, if I can play all these games, if I can whack balloons, I'm ready to do something else. You know, I'm ready to talk to that person that I need to have that conversation with. I'm ready to ask for that raise. I'm ready to, to set boundaries with this person. I'm ready to change my diet. I'm ready to... I'm ready, I'm ready, I'm ready. All those things. Um, develop as many resp as responses as possible. Healthy, getting unstuck means you have lots and lots and lots of options to a particular situation. If one situation triggers one state and that's all you have available to you, you're not going to be able to move out of that very easily. But if you're able to go, oh, okay, wait a second, um, this guy's asking me to hit balloons and he's asking me to walk with my bare feet and maybe he doesn't, isn't trying to manipulate me, maybe he's not trying to force me to grow, maybe I can step into this, you now have a different response to this. You're not stuck anymore. The more responses you have available to you for any particular situation, the less stuck you feel and the healthier you tend to be. And then finally, to start thinking differently, do different things. Expose yourself to different people and value other ideas. Mr. Maxwell. To start thinking differently, do different things. It isn't that difficult. It isn't that complex. I recently, um, you guys ever heard of the Whole30? kind of um, way to kind of reset your body and stuff like that. I love sugar. I, un I unashamedly admit that I love sugar. Sugar is a very good thing. But I was also held captive to it. And so I did the Whole30 for Whole30 days. Um, and I have, through, through doing different things, eating differently, I've had a chance to reset my body, I've lost some weight, and I now view food very, very differently. It's an incredibly interesting experience. Emotional experience, um, transformative experience. But I did different things. So, your homework, and then I'll let you go home. Homework. Number one, 
Pick a different way home tonight, okay? Some of you just get back on the freeway, you go the same way every time, or you, you, you walk the same path, you know the same squares on the sidewalk. Go a different way home. Go the long way home. Try something different. It's not that difficult. But see what happens. Get up in the morning and go to work a different way. Um, number two, wake up 30 minutes earlier. For some of you, again, that might be death, but try it anyway. Wake up 30 minutes earlier. Get out of bed immediately. Do not hit snooze. For those who have a hard time with that, take your alarm clock and put it in the bathroom or somewhere where you actually literally have to get up to turn it off. Get out of bed immediately. Go outside for a 10-minute walk. Find three things to be grateful for. Say them out loud and then tell someone else. Just a little morning ritual. Get you outside. Get you outside. Get you moving. And again, try to find just three things to be grateful for. And then the harder part is to go, you know what? I did this thing that this guy said. It was kind of weird. But here's, what, um, here's three things that I'm really, really grateful for. And you tell your coworker, you tell your spouse, you tell your kids, you tell whoever's nearby. And then tell me if it changes your state. I guarantee you it will profoundly. You actually might inspire people. I happen to know that for a fact. And then finally... Schedule time with someone you've never spent time with. There might be someone you've met in here, okay? Might be someone you know, but you've never had a chance to sit down with them, have coffee with them. Take a risk and go, would you like to grab coffee? Okay? Just a time to, to sit face to face with someone and become curious about each other. Man, what do you think of the guy who's, you know, talking on Monday nights? How, how long have you been, you know... Coming to Imago, what's, what's refuge like? Here's what I've been learning. Might not be someone from here. It might be someone from work. It might be, you know, a thousand different people. But find somebody. And again, I know in the room that might be uncomfortable for any, for any number of you because it's like, i got to reach out to somebody. What if they say no? What if they reject me? What if they, they don't want to have coffee with me? What if that's going to be a problem? That, that makes me uncomfortable. Find that, find that resistance for yourself and see what it would take for you to get one step closer to that. Just give it a try. Okay. That is doing. That's activity. And that is changing your state. Thank you for playing Red Balloons tonight, Scaloons. Thank you for watching crazy videos. Thanks for listening to this podcast. If you'd like more information, please visit paulelmore.com.